What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen, and today I've got another first deal story for you. So this is Daryl Woods. He's one of our Seven Figure Runway members. Came to Flip Hacking Live last year in San Diego, jumped into our mastermind group, and has been kind of doing some great things inside of his house flipping business over the past few months. And he tells a story. He's an Army guy, so I'm wearing my, uh, my T-shirt with the Navy F-18s on him uh, just to uh, take another jab at him. But we had, a fun, we had a good time talking about what he's doing, his history, his background, his son, all kinds of things. Uh, and today that I'm recording this, it's his birthday. So happy birthday, Daryl. I know it's going to come out after your birthday, but I'm recording this intro on your birthday. And I just want to be the first one to say happy birthday, man. We're thinking about you today. Uh, you're an amazing guy. And we've had a lot of fun getting to know you uh, over these past few months. So um, he uh, also just flipped his latest house, got it sold, posted inside of our mastermind group the other day, made over $39,000 on this deal. So absolutely amazing to see his growth and what's happening in his business. We talk about all that. We talk about COVID-19, how it's affecting him, what he's going to do, all this stuff. So again, we recorded it back in April. We're launching it today. We're putting all these stories together. We captured them in the moment of what's going on at the time. And I also want to remind you that Flip Hacking Live, we talk about that quite a bit on this podcast. It is a virtual experience that we're doing in October. You can go to fliphackinglive.com. You can check out all the details. Um, I've also launched another podcast called the Flip Hacking Live podcast where I talk about what it is, what's going on, all the details, background, stuff like that. But that is our main event. It's what we do every year. It's going to be absolutely amazing. It is virtual. It's, we can take it to your house. It's, uh, you've got to come. And he tells you why in this uh, podcast. So without further ado, I want to introduce Daryl Woods and we'll hear his story, talk about his background and everything. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook. Hey everybody, welcome to the Seven Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. And today I've got another one of our runway members on and another military guy, just like me. So I'm excited to talk about some uh, military. We had some time pre-show to talk about uh, his family, some of the things that he's been doing, a little bit about his military background. And I, I'm really excited to, to learn more about him because um, we've gotten to know each other a bit in the Facebook group and our virtual event that we just had in April. And uh, I saw him at Flip Hacking Live, but really, these are the time that I get to spend with our runway members to learn more about who they are and what they do. So um, I want to welcome today, Mr. Daryl Woods. How are you doing, Daryl? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm actually really excited to talk to you. Uh, I, I'm I know that we joke around with like the Army Navy jokes back and forth inside the Facebook group. Things. You're, you're, you're pretty good at ribbing me uh, for the Navy. Most Army guys are. Um, we usually win the football game, at least in recent times. So um, uh, I think we can have a little joke about that. But I'm, I'm excited to hear more about you and your business because you're, you're doing some really incredible things. And I know you've been doing this for a long time, too. So you got a lot to share with the audience. Um, about kind of your story and then talk, we'll talk a little bit about more recent times and some of the changes that you made in your business and how maybe they can implement some of those things going forward. So why don't you take a minute just to tell a little bit about kind of who you are, your kind of background maybe before real estate and then in real estate. Okay, awesome. Um, so uh, I came from, I'm, I'm originally from Gary, Indiana. Um, I grew up in the, more of the industrial age, the steel mill, steel producing age. Uh, my dad, you know, he was a hard worker. Um, you know, he was always, uh, always trying to like, you know, do different things in like business. 
he had the drive. He had the uh, all of the uh, all the tools, but I just he he just couldn't get to the next level because every time he made money, you know, he was just such a free giver that he had helped so many other people along the way. Um, so I, I learned a lot from him. I would say that, you know, as far as like a couple of businesses that he had, uh, we, we would cut trees. He was from, um, from the South. And back then, you know, that was Tennessee. He was from the, uh, the Millington, almost the Millington area area where I know you're kind of familiar with the Naval base down there. So he's kind of right outside of that Millington area, uh, where he grew up. But, um, he was my biggest mentor, my dad, you know, rest in peace. Now he passed away a few years ago, but, um, he kind of like, he kind of like me and my brother, he took us and he just, you know, just kind of worked with us and showed us how, what, what, how important the work ethic was. Um, my mom, you know, I, first jobs I had was like, you know, cutting grass, um, in the neighborhood, uh, raking leaves, things like that, you know? Um, so, um, I had a, I was, as a kid, I had a good, I was a, I had a good background as a kid somewhat. I mean, I had some, you know, some hurdles too, as any kid would. Um, and then, um, I would say that, uh, along the way, um, I, uh, I looked at trying to see what, what I was going to do to further my career and, uh, keep going. And I, wasn't ready right then to just go to college, um, but it was on my radar. But um, I just kind of wanted to just see uh, what the military had to offer. So um, I joined the military back in uh, the early, uh, the, the late 80s. Um, I was stationed a few places. Uh, my first duty station was in Kentucky, um, Fort Knox, Kentucky for basic training. Then I went on to Fort Lee, Virginia, which my um, uh, MOS was a uh, automated logistics supply uh, specialist. So I kind of grew in that field, um, learning the ins and outs of that. Uh, I had already kind of had like uh, a background of just kind of hard work and stuff like that. So um, the military, it was like, uh, it was, it was some challenges, but it was like something that it was really shaping me and, you know, and it was like, I didn't like a lot of the things at first, some of the things that, you know, that would go on with your drill sergeant. I remember one thing he would say is, uh, thank you after he's, you know, what they call smoke this, you know, in the army, you know, they'll smoke you. That means, you know, they're going to take you and make you do all this PT and smoke you till you can't get up no more and pull ups and all of that. But when we got done, one of his, his phases, his phrases was, uh, he made us say, thank you for conditioning my mind, body, and soul, <laughs> you know? And at the time, I'm like, what? Thank you for conditioning my mind, body, and soul. So as time went on, I started understanding that I should be doing that anyway. But, I, but you know, I developed a habit of just being in shape and keeping myself together and stuff like that. So, so I ended up serving for six years active and then six years reserve. Um, in my reserve time, um, I had a... Uh, I got assigned to a unit, but I, I, I was always looking at real estate, you know, from a whole, um, I, I kept looking at it like, wow, I want to do that. I want to do that. And uh, I'm going to bag up a little bit because when I was uh, stationed, one of my duty stations was Fort Ord, California. And when I got to Fort Ord, it was more like, um, I started seeing real estate more and more like I'm intrigued by this. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking at these apartments that I'm staying in and I'm like, wow, you know, uh, I'm just, you know, just a young kid at the time. But as I uh, pay my rent and stuff, I'm like, wow, I mean, all of this rent that is that that all of these units, you know, that they pay. I'm like, wow, that, this is like crazy. I mean, who's 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 uh, who's benefiting from all of this stuff? You know, so 
that's that's I think that was my earlier stage of just really being intrigued by real estate. And um, as I grew up, I was always inquisitive too. I was one of them type of kids that wanted to know how everything worked. I used to take the iron or loose, you know, put it back together. And my parents used to be like, "Man, you know, why are you why do you do those kind of things?" I, I, I just you know just I was just inquisitive on different things. So I was a curious kid. So um, you know, a little bit of that you know, just kind of spilled over to just different things that I tried to do and accomplish. But um, as I, as I continue, just like my, my, just searching in real estate and seeking it, um, I ended up after leaving, uh, leaving out of the military and getting out and actually just kind of having a civilian job. I went, I went to school at that point. So I ended up going to uh, Indiana University. And um, as I was at Indiana University, uh, I just, uh, I was in a, uh, a business uh, class, but uh, my major was a uh, uh, computer programming, but my minor was business. So in the programming, um, I just wanted to just kind of like take that because I thought that was, because, you know, a programmer makes money. I was just looking at, let me just take something where I can just, you know, a, a position, uh, a, a career that just makes money basically. And not really tuning in on how that career really works. So um, I took that, as I took that uh, class, I was kind of like looking into just how I wanted to get started in real estate as well. So um, I was, my, my, my uh, mother-in-law just kept asking me like, you know, hey, I got this Carlton Sheets course. <laughs> and uh, she just kept hitting me with that. And I was kind of like, that's a little old though, but I uh, went ahead and took it. It was like all audio tapes. And uh, I took it and I, yeah, all all cassette like tapes and stuff like that. So as I took it, I was like, okay, let me try it out a little bit. And as I tried it, I was like, okay, it's a little outdated for where I'm at. And then I, um, you know, just started looking around for more, a little bit more out of it. I mean, it it told me how to kind of invest with no money down and things like that. So then I, um, I got a hold of uh, of cousin. My cousin actually told me about uh, Robert Kiyosaki. And I started learning about the cash flow quadrants and I kind of was like just scratching the surface with his course. And it was talking about how to build a team um, and, you know, and just some of the basics assets and that liabilities and the difference between the two of them. Um, so I started getting enough courage to actually do a deal. And uh, the funny thing is, is that um, I was still in school at the time and I found a deal and it was like really below market value. It was like, and I had no clue at what I was really doing, <laughs> but I was trying to just like, okay, I just got to execute here. I just got to actually start. So once I started with it, uh, I ended up flipping it and then getting into, well, actually before I say flip it, I ended up working on it, getting into a whole lot of things with it where I had to do plumbing. I had to get uh, windows, you know, the whole shebang when you're going through a house. I mean, this house needed everything. And I, I could already see the end of it right now. My wife at the time, cause I was married then, well, I, I'm married and you know, I was, we was just getting married then. And uh, at the time she was like, I just don't see what you see in this property right now. And I was like, no, I just see where, you know, where I can go with it. And I was already looking at the numbers and what it was worth once, uh, once it appraised out and everything. So long and short of this, I'm gonna speed it up a little bit. That was actually the first deal I did. I bought it for 15,000 and um, 
while I was in school and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in school and every day and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at a, at a desk and I'm, I'm, I'm just having like brain cramp because I'm, I mean, my, my eyes is hurting because I'm watching the screen and I'm trying to learn computer programming and I, I was doing pretty good with it with visual. It was a uh, visual basics was what I was doing. And, you know, and, you know, I was getting my GI bill to kind of go to school at the time as well. So after I finally completed the house, you know, and I can tell you about all of the hurdles that I went through with that. One of the biggest things that's resonated and stood out to me, though, is like, um, so we went to the bank, you know, to kind of see, you know, what the house was worth. And instead of being in the right in the front of the bank, I get to go back. I'm like, wow, okay, they, you know, I had my LLC and all of that stuff done already, too. I already kind of structured that because I went through the whole course trying to understand all of that. So anyway, when I went to the bank, um, you know, the, uh, the banking manager said, come back to the back. You know, we sat down, my wife was with me. Um, and he looked at the property. He said, okay, you know, you're done with it. I was trying to see, you know, how much working cap I could pull out of it to do my next deal. And, um, you know, he just said, okay, to you, uh, you can, you can get at least up to 80,000, um, you know, to, for working cap on this property. And we just looked at each other and she was just like, wow, you know, because I mean, I knew it was going to praise out once I got done with it. Cause I bought it low. So that was kind of the start of my real estate journey, if I would say. And I went back to class and I never, rem I, 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 this will always resonate to me when I went back and my professor, we were trying to figure out how to make the calculator work and, you know, all of the things that go behind it and all of the, how to make all of the buttons actually work. And um, he said, you know, you guys are doing great. And then he said, but, you know, once you, uh, and once you get done and, you know, and actually graduate and get, get your uh, bachelor's, you know, at that time, he was like, you can start out probably at an entry level of 45 or 50,000. And uh, that just uh, that just hit me like, you know, even though I finished the course and finished, you know, the schooling, it, I never was the same after that, you know, because here I am, I'm sitting on 70,000 right now on my first deal. And it just like from that part, it just like I never my, my thought process was never the same at that point. <laughs> All right. So let me jump in. You've, uh, so it's not like your dad was your first mentor. Um, you were like an early entrepreneur a little bit. You wanted to figure out how things worked, mowing grass, doing like learning different, different kinds of businesses, different ideas. Then, uh, you know, went to, went in the army. I love that quote. Thank you for conditioning my mind, mind, body, and soul. I love that. Usually yeah. it's just like, thank you, drill sergeant, or, uh, right. I want another one drill sergeant or something, like something crazy, but I love that. So he, he clearly made an impact on you too, obviously. You still remember I, that today. I still remember it. That was a long time ago, right? So then went to college, uh, picked up Carlton Sheets, Robert Kiyosaki, started learning on your own with recommendations from people. And then you, what I really pulled from that is you just kind of took some action. You knew that there's only so much that you can learn. You got to get out there and do something. You found a house, bought it. And then that aha moment of, of getting a banker saying we can give you $80,000 to keep going and, and keep and keep doing this. You're basically, I don't even know that I would go back to school. Like you went back <laughs> to school and then, and then the teacher says, uh, you could entry level 45, 50,000. It's very similar to how I felt like even in the military, I was probably making about a hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, you know, as a, as, I think it was an 04 at the time I was Lieutenant commander when I was, um, when I was starting to like, really start flipping. And then when I made that first like $45,000 on that first house, I just went, whoa, this is like half of what I make in a year 
that really I only spent like six to eight weeks on this project. Like how many more of these could I do? And I, and frankly, I could do both at the time. Like I could still do both. So um, that, that will never, you never, that's, that's the mindset change, right? That's the limiting belief right. that you had seen and experienced and done. And then it was off to the races. So, so what was your, what was next for you? Were you just go straight in and start like flipping 20 houses a year or buying a bunch of rentals? Like what'd you do next? So <clears throat> I was like, wow, like I wanted to just keep renting because I, again, I had no clue, even though I bought a house below market value. I didn't understand that it. it's two worlds like, you know, so what I was being taught was, you know, you get a realtor, you find a house. Now I just bought a house at 15 K that was worth what almost like 80 K at the time, you know, or whatever. But I was still kind of like, okay, these courses is telling me to go find my, find a realtor, uh, buy a house. And I was buying, I started buying them at market value. You know, after that, I was like, well, I got working cap now and it just didn't the, the light bulb just didn't hit that. I should just keep, you know, going below market value right now. So I started buying them at market value. Um, I picked up like two or three and I was like, OK, um, let me just make these. Let me just get into this landlording because um, I like the fact that I can just, you know, create a cash flow. So I started like uh, just buying them again, like at market value. I uh, picked up about two more properties. Um, I did one at a time. I was just doing them like one at a time. Of course, uh, I, I didn't do the work. So I had like uh, some contractors working for me and uh, they would just like take forever, you know, sometime with them. So the time, I didn't have my time down. Um, I, I, and of course I was losing money because I had like mortgages on them. Now I didn't know anything about the private lending or anything like that. So I was doing all traditional lending. I mean, I was getting all traditional lending going at that time. And that was the way that some of the older courses kind of taught, you know? So as that went on, um, I, uh, I, I'm gonna speed it up a little bit. I ended up getting like five houses a uh, little bit slowly at a time. I ended up like picking up almost five houses that way. But um, I was, um, I started to become um, what they what they were calling back then um, cash poor, but asset rich. <laughs> and I got mm -hmm. caught in that in that 08 bubble. And um, as I got caught in it, you know, it was like they just shut down everything. You know, the banks shut it down. And um, here was I mean, I had tenants, but, you know, it was like if I was cash flowing, I, I might have been cash flowing, let's say. $200 per property. And I was just like, man, it's got to be a better way than this. But you know, I ended up leaving Indiana because that's kind of where I started. That was the market I started and I still own a house to this day one. But I'll tell you what I did. I was able to still keep going, but I still kept a job too. So I worked and um, I, I made decent money because uh, I worked in the steel industry at the time. So um that kept me afloat too. My personal finance kind of kept me going at the time. And my real estate really, what my real estate business really wasn't generating a lot of revenue at that time. So, um, you know, an opportunity came for us to move to Texas and my wife, you know, in her career, she's a nurse and my, um, I had some other doors open up here too. So I was like, I always wanted to be 
like the name of my company was Higher Ground Global Investments. So I always had a vision that I wanted to invest globally. And, you know, I mean, through all of that, I was like, you know, people would say, man, that's crazy at the time. You know, you might as well just kind of stay in the market you're in. So this was an opportunity. I mean, she ended up, she's a nurse. She ended up getting a position where they hired her over the phone. We moved to Texas. Um, I felt like Texas was such a huge market. I was like a a small fish in in a big pond out here. You know, I'm like, I can't afford none of this. And, you know, and I was just like, wow, this is crazy. But at the time, um, I was still holding on to all of those houses because we ended up moving right through that recession time. So I was still holding on to those properties. And I, I mean, I, I was so close to filing bankruptcy on it, but I just was like, I, I don't want, I, I, I just saw myself getting through it. So I weathered the storm all the way through 08, 09, that whole bubble. And um, I sold off all of those properties except for one that I own free and clear. And that's that first one that I have now um, that I had when I first started. And, uh, you know, and I sold all the other ones off, but I was able to see how the market corrected itself uh, over time. And I was able to, you know, make, you know, make decent, um, make decent earnings on each one of those properties, you know, uh, as I sold them. But after I got out of it, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to, you know, mess with real estate. I, I don't know if this is kind of what I want or, or want to do anymore. So um, at that point, right, I just I, let me jump in here. Let me okay, jump in. Go ahead. You you said that you made it through, like you held on to the, you were so close to bankruptcy, you held on to those properties and made it through. Like, what what pushed you through those few years? Were they what was it tough? I, and the reason I ask right now is because mm-hmm. a lot of people are seeing this. The, like the virus time that we're in right now when we're recording this, right? It, mm-hmm. It's, they're, they're seeing some things where they're like, I don't know if I can even make it through like this. They're seeing like the resistance, right? They're hitting a wall and saying, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, it's just kind of uncomfortable for me. And I, I, I didn't, like I had a house that I sold like a, a resident, like a condo of mine in that 2008 time I sold in 2009. So I saw mm-hmm. the market really crash, but I wasn't like actively investing heavily then. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear like, what, what was it? Was it a mindset thing? Was it just pushing through? Was it, what, what did you, how did you make it through those couple of years? Uh, it was, it was like, I didn't want to fail, you know, I didn't want to, you know, and it was, I didn't want to fail. It was my mindset. Uh, it was, uh, just, um, my uh, my will to see it through because I knew that to me, I just felt like it was going to be, it's a, it's a brighter side if I can just get through it. Um, the other thing I think it was because um, uh, I would just say that it was, it was like one of the things that I've always heard from one of my mentors in the military. And, you know, he used to say improvise, adapt and overcome. So I had to, I figured out how to just make it work, you know, and um, I just had to just be creative. I mean, I, 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 I had, uh, I had a, a steady job here. So, you know, I had it where, you know, I worked with tenants a little bit here and there if I could work with them. But uh, over that, I just, all I saw long and short of it is I got to get over the hump. That's just the best way I could explain it. I got to get over this hump some way, somehow at that point. Pride, will to succeed, improvise, adapt, and overcome. Like, uh, you know, I just did a podcast about um, about the different types of investors. I think that we have, and it was it was a kind of all based on Michael Jordan. So I'm watching this uh, Last Dance right now. I don't know if you're watching it or you've seen it, but I, I watched the first episode, and it's like this that episode like 
it just drove me to want to do more. And I, like I could run through a wall, I, like I almost like envision the Kool-Aid guy, right? Who mm-hmm. runs through the walls like, oh yeah. So like right. I, fe- I just felt after that one, first one hour of watching Michael Jordan again and like all the greats, I used to, I loved watching them when I was a kid. And it, there was a quote that I pulled out. I, I, I used like five, six different quotes on this podcast that I did. And I kind of talked about every investor and how I pulled, like Michael Jordan's got hundreds and hundreds of amazing quotes. And there's one of them that, that like stood out to me with what you were just talking. Uh, if you're trying to achieve, there'll be roadblocks. I've had them. Everybody's had them. But obstacles, if, obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it. And that's kind of what you did, it sounds like. Like you just figured out how to climb the wall. Instead of like hitting a roadblock and saying, I can't do this. I'm just going to file bankruptcy and give up. You just yeah. kind of kept going and you kept going and kept going. And what you, you did, it, it, and it, sounds, it took years, right? Not months. Yeah. Yeah. Like right now we're looking at, we used 2008 to think about like, how can we compare that to what's happening right now? A lot of people are, and they're using that for, I don't know, maybe some, maybe some fear, maybe selling something, maybe some sensationalism. Maybe people actually do feel that it's really, really risky right now. But I, like the timeline right now where we're looking at months you got, you had to go through years, but you didn't know when the end was, was there, right? You just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. It's just like, what's next? And you take it like one step at a time and the pride, the will to succeed, the adapting and overcoming becomes kind of second nature and you just go through it. And then you look back and say, wow, that I can't believe how long it's been. I know there's times where either I'm running really long races. I'm, do, I'm doing something that I never thought that I would accomplish. I'm trying mm-hmm. to reach some sort of goal. And if you, if you start from the beginning and look all the way to the end, you're go, mm-hmm. well, I can't do that. But if you take it in chunks, one step at a time, and you're just getting through that month and that week, it's interesting your mm-hmm. response. Cause you're like, I don't know. I just kind of did it. <laughs> and that's kind of what we have to do. Right. Yeah. That's it. Uh, that's all I can really say on it is, yeah. Um, I just, like I said, um, I had, I, and I also had to just, uh, figure out i think uh one of the other things that helped me is i started to learn uh section eight a little bit more i started trying to educate myself on different ways and then i ended up getting the section eight tended to and um that helped out a lot too but you know i just um you know just kept you know asking people and talking and you know and trying to find out you know how to get around it but it it definitely what i can say is it definitely shaped me um now i do like I'm, I'm human like anybody else. The best way I can explain it to also is like, um, you know how you like, if you ever experienced a, tr- uh, a, a uh, tremor or like a, a something for like an earthquake and a shaking like that. Like I was in California one time when I felt, felt my first earthquake or like just kind of like a shake there. And I, I never was the same after that, but I was always, you know, bracing myself for it. You know what I mean? But I would say that, Sometime I think like that too with the Corona uh, 19, what we're dealing with right now. But um, I would say that even though I'm dealing with that, I'm starting to learn how to find good in every situation. And I think that's helping me so much more. And then I'm also trying to understand how can you still go forward when the first couple of times you may hear no, you know, like I'll tell you a prime example, like, some of the banks right now and just trying to get, um, get lending, um, you know, and, and I'm hearing no, but you know, one of the things that happened to me in 08 that I didn't say is that, uh, it was, it got bad, you know, so bad that I had lines of credit on those properties. 
And those lines of credit, they actually forced my hand. The bank forced my hand and told me, hey, you got to you got to take these. We, we got to take these out of line of credits right now. And, and we're going to just make these like regular loans. So I had like a line of credit that was like maybe at 3.75 APR that actually went to like uh, 11, 12 percent. So, Whoa. yes, yes. And that was part of the process of me even moving here to Texas and wife working. And we went sometime, and I'll be honest, we went without sometime um, to make sure we kept that stuff afloat because um, I understood how important credit was. And I didn't want to, you know, damage that because I still had, I still had some type of hope that this too was going to pass. And, um, you know, we, we weathered it. I mean, and, and, and it wasn't pretty all the time and, you know, but my wife to this day, you know, we, we look back over it. And like you said, and, uh, like the last dance and Michael Jordan, and I've been watching that and, you know, and that's inspiration as well. And so many others, uh, that, uh, we were able to just, like I say, adapt and overcome that situation. But it, it basically showed us how strong we were in the end, you know? Yeah. And, and you know what I hear there too is you got incredibly creative. Like what was working before when it stops working, you didn't just sit in that. It's not, well, it's not working. I can't do this. You got creative and tried to figure out how to do it. And you found section eight, you did new things. You started learning, you, you, you followed like the same thing with the Carlton sheets, Robert Kiyosaki. Okay. This, this, like the old way of doing things like market value, buying with a realtor to go to the new way of doing things like off market, mm -hmm. buying from sellers. You realize mm -hmm. that that shift needed to happen. So I think all of that stuff, it's, it's incredible to see. You just have to be resourceful, right? We have the resources yes. out there. We have to take them and figure out how to use them and you mm -hmm. did it. So Okay, let's fast forward a ways because we're like we're into the podcast so far, right? So you started okay. uh, the rentals, you became cash rich, asset or cash poor, asset rich. I, I I share the similar story. I did the same thing with my rental properties, and then I started flipping. Flipped one and was like, wow, this is amazing. Start. Then I flipped another one, and then I kind of got addicted to it. So if we fast forward then through the crash to I don't know maybe like last year, you were just flipping houses. So my question is kind of how did you? how did you come into our world? Like you were flipping houses and then you figured out something. I think you came to flip hacking live. So right. kind of, how did you get there? Maybe like, what were you doing before that? And how, what brought you to that uh, event? Okay. So, um, I was kind of basically just kind of, mm, kind of like on pause still, because I, I didn't know if I wanted to get back into real estate at that time, because, uh, after I got everything sold off, you know, um, I started kind of seeing this wholesaling and understanding, like I started seeing like this guy, well, I had a, a guy and uh, he kind of was showing me how he was doing properties. Um, and I had a couple of guys in the group here in Texas and I was like, okay, he would tell me he would buy it and, you know, and he'd make like, you know, maybe he might make, make 30, 30 K on it and, you know, and then get another one and, you know, and all of these things. And, then he would say, you know, hey, man, I got uh, I'm, I'm working with private lenders and stuff like that. And but um, he was doing more of the wholesale side. And he was also kind of doing a little bit of uh, rehabbing and stuff like that. But uh, I would say that I kind of had cold feet to kind of jump back in it a few years ago, like two. I think it's, it's been like a year now. 
I didn't do any more properties here in Texas. I just kind of sat, you know, and I just like sat on it and just kind of worked and just kind of did some little other things and, um, you know, just not really worked on any of that. Um, then I just kind of was like, you know, I know too much now just to sit on this. So he's, uh, this guy, he started like kind of talking to me more about, Hey, I can get you a deal here. I can get you a deal there. He was very resourceful, but I couldn't understand like why he wouldn't kind of like give me the meat and potatoes of everything. He just wanted me to be a buyer. And I think he just wanted me to just buy from him. So I ended up doing that because I started kind of looking at numbers and I started watching, um, you know, different videos and kind of watching, looking at some different books and uh, new material out there and stuff like that. So um, I said, hey, man, I want to get into this because he was just kind of like he was doing pretty well with it. And, um, you know, like I said, he basically wanted to just keep me as a buyer. So I bought a property from him. Um, and then I was asking him about like, hey, man, um, I'd like to know, uh, like, what kind of lenders? I was very inquisitive. Like, what kind of lenders should I use? Can I can I use one of your lenders? Or, you know, he's he was always bragging like, hey, man, I got like private money lenders and stuff like that. So I'm like, hey, man, show, show me. Let me let me know how you're doing it, because all I know is the traditional way here. So he uh, basically would never really, you know, give me too much information, you know. So what did I do? I went to Google and I started like looking up like private lenders. Uh, and he told me, hey, uh, I'm going to see if I can get you my get my lender to, uh, lend, to lend to you. And his private lender, you know, he, they told me, no, we can't lend to him right now. Um, he got good credit scores or whatever. But I think they just it was some local lenders that he was using that, you know, maybe they might have been maxed out on how much that they were going to, you know, going to loan it. Uh, to some of the investors already and being a new investor, you know, he didn't, uh, they didn't really want to take a chance with me, I guess. So, um, Googled it. Let me fast forward. So I was Googling, um, lenders, lending home came up. <laughs> so I, uh, called lending home, you know, I told them what I had. I had an LLC. I've done properties before. They kind of gave me the little rundown, um, you know, of just kind of like, you know, just, you know, the uh, basic information, if you, if you will. And, um, you know, lo and behold, uh, they said, Hey, we can get you financed on the property. And he had the property that, uh, that I, I wanted. Yeah, I went through it. I was learning like, okay, more of the scope of work on it, how to go in and do it. And, you know, and I actually got approved and that's kind of how the engine started again. So I went through that property, uh, I uh, flipped it. The numbers was good. Um, it was a little bit, uh, it was like 70, 75 cent on the dollar minus the repairs somewhat. So I think I was at about maybe about 55% when it was all said and done. So it was some room in there. Um, I was working on that deal. Lending Homes like sent me an email talking about they had some extra tickets for Flip Hack Live. <laughs> So uh, I was like, okay, what is this? So now I'm researching everybody on there. I'm, you know, researching you and, you know, and I'm trying to see what this is all about. And I was like, man, I mean, this, this, I think this may be something that could really take me to the next level because I couldn't get it from these local guys because I think they just want, of course, you know, they just wanted me to just be on their buyers list right now, you know, whatever. And um, just keep me dumbed down on it so I can just keep buying from them, which, you know, that wasn't bad either because that actually 
planted the seed for me to actually start again. So, so I guess the question is, so, and I know lending home, like lending home bought, like got a bunch of tickets from us and then kind of handed them out to some of their, uh, some of their investors. So you were on their list. They, uh, you got a ticket from them and then you had to fly out to California, right? Get a hotel mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, it seemed it's still kind of a commitment, right? Three days away from your mm-hmm. family, away from the business, that kind of thing. So, um, what, what made you decide to say yes to that instead of saying like, uh, you know, I'm just going to skip it this time or I'll go to the next one. Cause I, I feel a lot of people do that. They're kind of like on the fence and saying, I just, I don't know what this event's going to be. They're probably gonna be selling me a bunch of stuff. It's mm-hmm. kind of not, uh, I don't know. I, w- I want to just stay local and just go to the RIA meeting. So a little bit about that decision and then maybe what you uh, felt like when you were there. Um, I would say that, um, well, with me, I, uh, I, when I looked at it, I was like, okay, let me, let me, let me, let me think about it. And I just kept saying, nah, that's probably not for me. But what was exciting, I think the exciting thing was I was already doing a deal at the time and it was like, you know, seven figure flips and I'm seeing all of these, you know, these people motivating and, you know, and they, they looking like they, you know, like they're, they're killing it. I'm seeing like the events pass. Then I actually called my rep and I asked him a little bit about like, what is that all about? You know? And he was like, I, I, it's a, it's a pretty good program. He said, I would encourage you to take a look at it. They, you know, they said, you know, Hey, you know, I, I think that it might be something that, because they saw, what I was doing and I, I got my first draw pretty fast, did the scope of work. And then it was like, you know, this may be something that you, you know, that I think that you, you, you know, that you could, that can really help you and move you, you know, you know, move the needle a little bit faster up for you. Um, so it was kind of like, again, I might, I was a little on the fence, but as I, when I got there, I just saw the energy in the room. Um, I, uh, saw so many people and I liked the way it was kind of structured where, um, you, you know, when you sit down, you sit down in one area and we, we go through a lot of the event and then we take our break in the breakout sessions, come back and you encourage us to go sit in different areas to meet other people. So I started meeting a lot of people too. And it started giving me the, the momentum that, Hey man, um, I mean, I think I found something here that I could do, you know? And I was like, and you were willing to be open and honest with everything. And I've seen so many other, uh, so many other like uh, uh, events that I went to and it was just kind of like watered down so much. And it was a little bit of fluff based off of kind of what I knew already. And I'm just like, okay, you know, it was like pay all of this money and everything, or, you know, we're going to do it this way or that way. And I think one of the things that really stood out to me is that when you said, Hey, you know, I had the money to, to, you know, to actually get ready to do it or either even to start with the payment plan. But when you said, um, I don't, if you're not ready for this, or if, you know, if you just like, if you're here and, you know, and you really don't have the, uh, the revenue or the cash flow right now for this event, he was like, I, I'd rather you not, you know, not pay for this or not sign up today because I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm not trying to like pull your arm, you know, or, or try to, or try to force you to do this. You, you seem like you, you were so sincere about wanting to see people win. And uh, that in itself made me say, okay. And also being military and I'm seeing like your staff, your whole background, like I I know that I, you know, I was like, man, I could kind of almost copy this cadence right here because integrity to me was on 10. I mean, it was just solid. It was solid. And I was like, okay, this is different from anything I've seen. 
and all of the questions I had about wholesaling and buying properties and all of those things, you know, I mean, it was just a wealth of information. So, I mean, it wasn't hard at that point. You know, I called my wife and I told her after day, after the first day, I think, uh, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be part of this runway, you know, or this seven figure family. And, you know, and from there, that was, that was where it was at. And plus I was just still working on that deal that I had. And uh, it just motivated me more to come back, finish that up. And instantly, you know, um, after I finished it up, I was looking for the right realtor, you know, in that area because it was an area kind of away from where I am. But, it, you know, the uh, prices and the, and the market was a little bit lower there in value. So um, I was able to uh, do my first flip. I actually did my first flip when I got back, finished it all up. I posted pictures and everything of it. And um, I was able to walk away with almost 50K on that first deal. 50? Do you say 50? 50K. Yes, sir. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and yeah. you, so you bought that from a wholesaler, right? Right. And you financed it with Lending Home and you made $50,000? Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's, that's a good deal, right? And Absolutely. people saying right now, like, I can't find any deals like that, especially around that time, you know? That's right. probably like, you know, June, July of last year, 2019, finishing it up somewhere around November, December, I think you did, if I remember right. 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 So, I mean, that's awesome. And I, I, so I appreciate that. Like you, you saying all that stuff about me and the team. And I really think it's, a, it's kind of like the community, right? It's the tribe. When you show up, it's not, it's not me. It's not my staff. It's, it's all kind of part of it, but it's, it's the community and the people that are involved. And I think when we go to events like that, like I've been to a lot of events and as I go to different events, I like things about some, mm -hmm. there's some events that just completely turn me off. And it's usually the kind of the community, like, do I fit into that community or not? And right. I think that's, that's a lot of it. So I know a lot of the people that kind of follow us and listen to podcasts and come to our events, they just feel like it's like a family. It's like home away from home, right? They just, they mm -hmm. love the people, the energy, that kind of stuff. And it's, it's where they want to be. And I, I encourage anybody to go find that. Like, uh, you know, if you want to attend our event this year in October, I highly encourage that. Obviously, um, it, we, I start working on it seven and a half months in advance. Like I'm working on this year. It's April right now. I've already started in March. We started working on this thing for October of 2020. So um, I appreciate that. And I think that um, we do. I mean, we truly want to help you guys. Like I want, I want to see you succeed. And all that's like integrity at 10. That's like probably the best thing that anybody's ever said to me. So, um, yeah. so from there, okay, you join the runway group, you're, you're flip packing live. And then um, what, what are some like, what's kind of changed since then? So you did that one deal. And how have things been going for you? And what are some kind of um, like tips and tricks that you might be able to share with some of the people who are trying to get going again. Like you, you basically like shut down the engine and cranked it back up again. Right. So right, like, what are some things you, I think that, that could help other people do that? And what are some of the takeaways that you have in like lessons learned now going forward? Um, and I kind of still went into that deal kind of blindly, you know, just going back into it. Um, I picked up, uh, I, I, when I got, when I joined the, uh, accountability, uh, group. When I got part of that, I would say that uh, that was really very helpful. And um, in my group, uh, you know, they we mentioned uh, about different books and things like that. One of the books I picked up was uh, uh, Flipping Houses, and that was by Jay Scott. <clears throat> and I started reading that book, and I started understanding how to uh, manage my business, manage my workers. Uh, time understanding the time and time management and uh, um and then i also started realizing that uh if i want to continue in this I, I really need to like get better with my scope of work 
Um, so what I actually am doing now more um, that I would say one of the tips that I, I am doing, I'm, I'm taking ownership more of the properties. And when I say that, I say that to say that um, at first I'm just kind of like casually walking around and, you know, and just kind of letting the uh, contractors kind of do what they want to do and dictate everything. But um, I don't have, I wouldn't do a GC. I, I mean, I started out thinking that, you know, Hey, maybe I should just do a GC, but uh, I'm starting to see also money wise. Um, I had the time to property to, to be the property, um, to property uh, manage it or manage the whole property and do that part of it. So it makes it to a point with me that uh, I can look at the quality of work a little bit better. I can put a little bit more pressure on them and I'm on the site and anything that one of the things I like in the book too, is anything that uh, don't go right. I'm the one to blame, you know, it's not someone else. I'm the one to blame. So that's one of the biggest things is I think you got to really own it. You know, when you get in it, you got to really own it. And did that, did that uh, mindset come from Jocko's presentation at Flip Hacking Live? Absolutely. Yeah. And that was pretty solid too. I mean, I was real solid about owning it and, 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 uh, and taking responsibility, you know, for what you want, understanding how to, you know, how to, you know, adapt and overcome and also understanding just, you know, how to, uh, to own it basically to, to you, you, the boss, you, you manage this, you run the wheel. This thing is working because you're in control of it, you know, and if anything doesn't go right, just like he was saying, I got, I'm responsible for it. Yeah. So if it's working, it's because you're in control. And if it's not working, it's also because you're in control of it. Right. right so if it's right. not working, it's also your fault. So don't just take credit for when the good things happen. And right. so I think the best leaders, they, they, they pass the credit off when great things happen, right? Mm -hmm. When the, the wrong things happen, they take the blame. Mm -hmm. And that's what, I, that's what I've seen, you know, my whole career in the military and all the leaders that I followed. And that's what I really try to emulate is like when we do some really great things that I'm not the one there taking all the credit, you know, it's the team and the people that we're putting in the time. And when things go wrong, I'm not pointing the finger either. The finger pointing goes in and we figure out how we can fix it and how we can make a change there. So what's the, what's the business look like right now? Like what, what have you got going on uh, right now since uh, October? We're about six months in. All right. So since October, um, <clears throat> it's funny. I, uh, I picked up, I was getting ready to do another, I had another property that I found, um, and uh, I liked it. I, I pulled the trigger on it. I was getting ready to just like go ahead and like take it down. And before I got the fi financing on it, I think I talked about it. Um, I was still kind of intrigued about the wholesale part. But I, I, I mean, I, I didn't, I really was just kind of still just doing the flipping. So with that, that deal, uh, I bought it or I just actually put it on contract. And then I had a couple of other investors because the area was good. So a couple of other investors was looking in it and wanted, you know, I, I had a couple of friends that was like, yo, I, you know, Hey, I like that. You know, um, are you sure you want to get involved in it? And, um, it was okay. But when I really looked at it, I was like, I don't know. I, I started really doing the scope of work. i tell you one of the mistakes I made is I didn't really do the scope of work like I should have. And then like when my contractors came back, they just kind of was like, it was like, almost like 20 K over what I was already trying to almost bid on it. So I'm still, like I said, I'm still trying to get better with the scope of work on things. And I am, you know, being much more better with it now. But, um, so with that deal, um, 
I had like two or three people that was interested in it. And I was like, well, you know what? I think I'd rather do a deal that didn't have that much work done that I had to do to it. Cause I, I didn't want to really get involved in that much. So um, I ended up actually assigning it because I have a, I had a, uh, I had a, uh, a title person that could actually do all the title work and all of that too. And that, then they, they provided that. And uh, I ended up assigning that property and then I ended up getting uh, about 15 K, but yeah, I made 15 K on it. What I would say is that because of my lack of knowledge <laughs> on wholesaling at the time, I probably left about 10 K on the table. But, you know, I understood now why they wanted that property so bad. <laughs> so that was a learning curve. But that intrigued me with wholesaling. Like, wow, you know, okay, I actually did my first deal, you know. And um, to move forward with that, after I got that 15K, I found, uh, after I, you know, assigned that property off and made that, that, that 15K, I found another deal that was that kind of was better suitable for me. I just had to go in it and maybe put some lipstick on it and uh, do a few things to it. And I think that was more of an easier in and out. And um, I kind of like that a little bit better because I'm still trying to kind of, I mean, I'm just still getting my feet wet, getting back into this again. So with that deal, it was uh, about after repairs and everything, it was about 60, 60, 60, 61, 62 cent on a dollar, something like that. So I got involved in that one, got it going, got started on it, uh, had some foundation work that had to be done. Um, after the foundation, um, I had a little, a little bit of a setback, didn't realize that uh, I had some sewer issues. I did not really do my due diligence in understanding how to get in the sewer and understanding how to have a, have a plumber guy I should have had a plumber guy come in and maybe check that out. And then I'm also seeing, here's another tip. I'm also seeing now that it's, it's not a bad idea to go to the city and kind of find out like the blueprints, which someone told me next time you do that, go to the city and find the blueprints out, see what kind of piping they have, you know, underground. So it was on the slab and it was galvanized piping, which, you know, is, is so old right now. So after the sewer, I mean, after the foundation was, set up and got that done i had another hurdle where i had breaks in the sewage so that kind of like man almost kind of like like almost depleted me i'm like I'm, I'm, I'm looking for deals on that to try to find out who could come in and do the sewer work on this property and um i just almost exhausted all my resources uh everything was like almost 30k i got it down to about what 15k and then I finally found a plumber that just needed work. And I just kind of was like, kind of, you know, just about just kept trying to give him a shot and he needed work. And he was telling me all the things he could do. And then he kind of showed me some of the work he had already done before. So I gave him a shot. It was a huge plumbing job, you know? So it was, I'm talking almost like a hundred feet or more where it had to go from, from one bathroom all the way and tie into the other bathroom through the kitchen, all the way to the back the back of the house where to tie back into the sewer. <laughs> so, wow. and it was on the slab and you understand like Texas, you know, I'm learning now with foundation. Um, I, I, I'm, I call it the big five now. I mean, I, I, I always use foundation, but plumbing is in that, in that now and roofing. So instead of just the big three, uh, I definitely look at plumbing now too. And I, I try to find out, you know, what is this going to entail? How old is the house? Cause the house was built in like the late fifties. 
So in saying all of that, another thing, uh, I had to improvise, adapt, and overcome. I got through that hurdle. Uh, it wasn't pretty, you know, and I was kind of like, you know, man, do I want to keep going with this right now? But at, at the same time, you know, I'm that type of guy that when I'm in the middle of the ocean, I got to get to the other side, you know, by all means necessary. I got to get to the other side. And uh, we got through it. Um, I got the house listed now. We completed everything. I, I posted some pictures on, of it out there on the uh, runway uh, group page. And um, we got it on the market for sale right now. Um, now I'm looking at how the market is changing through COVID-19 right now as well, too. So uh, I got my realtor there kind of listening. She's going to list it here in the next couple of days. Um, but I'm also looking at what the market is doing in that area. So I've seen some other people drop their prices right now. And I'm just only having her listed because uh, she wanted to list it. My realtor wanted to list it for like 90 days. And I'm like, nah, let's do like a month to month is what I would be more comfortable with because I'm trying, I'm learning, you know, through you guys and through, uh, through all of the knowledge out here that they have with this owner finance now. And I'm learning that it might have, I might, if I don't get someone that can kind of give me close to where I, what, what I'm looking to get on it, then my next uh, exit strategy would, would probably be more on the finance for that property right now. And, nice. You know, yeah, I know we've seen a lot inside the group of people, especially right now. There's not a lot on the market. Um, stuff's going under contract, not staying on the market. very. Nothing's refilling the market right now. If it's vacant, if it's nice, if it looks good, fixed up. Uh, I'm interested to hear how that one goes because uh, you, might, you might be surprised what, what you see that comes. Here's some things that I pulled from what you talked about. Like, uh, I love you. You mentioned owner, like taking ownership. So you mentioned that book on flipping houses by Jay Scott earlier. So I, that's, that's the first book that I read before I flipped my first house. And I, I basically gotcha. used that thing like a blueprint. Uh, and that was, I don't know, 2013 or something, 2012, whenever he wrote it. Um, yeah. That's the first one that I picked up. So interesting. Uh, and then the extreme ownership is a, like you mentioned that book. That's a book that I would yeah. recommend anybody read. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, then it's probably the book that's changed my business and my life over the past few years. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think you're really a humble guy and very realistic about your limitations. Like mm-hmm. what I hear a lot of people is they get a little bit, uh, they get like a chip on their shoulder. They do a couple deals and they think they know it all. Um, the interesting thing in talking to you for the last hour is you, you're really kind of down to earth and really humble. Like you, you have a lot of experience. You've been doing this for a really long time and you still are like, I'm still learning. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something to take away that anybody listening to this needs to understand that we don't know it all in myself, mm-hmm. Daryl, anybody that I talk to, once you think you know it all, you're, you're going down from then. Right. You're not learning. You're not growing. You're not expanding. Um, so that's, that's what I get from, from talking to you is I think you're going to be widely, widely successful. You're not stepping on the gas nonstop. You're kind of taking it slow and steady. You're, you're understanding, uh, what you know, and here's four, like four lines that I pulled from your, the last portion of what you said. You said, I should have, you said, I didn't, you said, I wish I, and you said next time I will. And guys, those four statements right there are true ownership and responsibility statements. It's not that guy didn't do this. This person didn't do that. They should have done this. It's I should have, I didn't, I wish I, and next time I will. And that's the kind of stuff that makes you successful is you have talk tracks like that. That's the way that you think. And Daryl had no idea that I was writing all that stuff down. I guarantee it. He's just talking, right? But it's the way that he talks and the way that he presents himself and he, he lives his life 
and runs his business is that I don't know everything and I'm going to continue to learn. All of these things are learning lessons. I'm in the middle of the ocean. I just need to get to the other side. I love that because that's what it is. Like we're constantly just mm -hmm. developing, evolving, learning. And when you come from that place and you come from that mindset, success is just inevitable. It's mm -hmm. just kind of like when, like when do I get there and how big do I go? And I think that's, that's where it is. Um, I'm, I'm really uh, like proud to have you as a part of our group, proud to know you in uh, just, I don't know, this, this is really good stuff. I'm really excited for you because I think that kind of the sky's the limit for you. And I love that, that like the cautious optimism that you have. You're like, I, you know, I'm just going to do this one. I'm going to see yeah. how it goes. And I'm going to do the next one. It's not, I see a lot of people just go in and they're like, I need to get to a hundred deals a year overnight. Right. Yeah. And so what are some of your goals? Like what's next for, for you? What's the plan? So I'm, I'm intrigued. I said, I think with the wholesaling, I'm trying to like actually just start it up. I jumped back. I'll tell you one thing I did. Uh, I jumped back in accountability. I got out of the accountability for the last uh, session here, but I'm, I'm back in now. And um, that was probably one of the best things that could happen for me is the accountability part because it, it does so much for you. And um, it's funny that you asked because I'm, I'm reading um, the compound effect now. And uh, I'm, measure, I'm, I'm, I'm using that like as a measuring stick for everything that I'm doing. Like, I don't care, like, even if it's like my physical fitness and if I want to get back out to running again. I remember when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old, I was running 12, 12, uh, 12 minute, uh, two mile runs. But I want to get into uh, just kind of like, I know I'm not going to be there right now, but, you know, I want to be maybe at about 15 minutes and go there from there. But, you know, I'm, I'm going back out to the track and just trying to kind of, but it, the book is inspiring me to um, keep pushing, push farther, but at the same time, just kind of like, don't worry if you don't hit, if you don't hit your target, but just keep pushing at what, what it is you're trying to accomplish, you know, and then measure it. And um, that ties so much into the accountability. What Becca is doing is, is incredible. And I, I kind of got to a point where, I, you know what, I'm too busy right now. I got these properties going on, man. I mean, I'm trying to read all of this, these books. I'm trying to do all of this, but the truth of the matter is, is um, my I'm not utilizing my time the way I really should. And that's one of the biggest assets that we could ever have is our time um, and how we use our time. And I just got to just like dial it back in and just see what's important and what's not important. And, you know, that I think this accountability, the way it's been revamped and everything too, I think that's going to be a huge takeaway for me. Yeah, I think that, that's awesome. I think that the accountability groups that we added with this runway program that Becca rolled out is she's been running that for a couple of years and it's just get every quarter, it's getting better and better and better. Uh, it's just amazing to see the results that we've seen from our members. That's really like the, that, that's what it was for me when I joined seven figure flipping, you know, five mm -hmm. years ago, it was, it was the perceived accountability, me showing up to each meeting, like the previous meeting, I said I was going to do something. So right. I know that when I show up the next one, I have to do it. It wasn't baked into the system like it is now, but it was this kind of, I think it's something that's way undervalued and uh, uh, like the people that are doing it are seeing massive, massive results. And mm -hmm. um, the structure that she's put in, it's, it's just amazing what she's done with it. 
Um, but I know that that's what it was for me. That's what this group was. It was even, even just a Facebook post, me saying I'm going to do something. It fuels me to go do it. Once you put it down, like write your goals down, you're like 43% more likely to achieve them. If you uh, go out and like say things to the world, like you put them out in the world, like that yeah. is the accountability that a lot yeah. of us need just internally to do it. So yeah. like writing it down, putting it, and then sitting there with like five of your friends and showing up and saying, I only got 20% of my stuff done this week. Right. And them say, saying, what's wrong with you? Like what else, what could you have that's more important than the one thing that you set to do this week? Right. What is it? And so um, it's, it's really, really valuable. Um, okay. Well, I know we've been on for a while and I guess the, the last thing that I want to ask you is we're, we're coming up towards Flip Hacking Live this year. So if somebody, we talked a little bit about it, but if somebody is kind of like on the fence to go, and they're, they're like, or maybe they get the email from Lending Home like you did and they see it and they're like, oh, Lending Home's going to buy me a ticket. This is interesting. Mm -hmm. Like, what is your recommendation to them? Like, should they go? Should they not go? And if like, what do they, like, why? What is the, like the push? Let's push them there a little bit. I think my recommendation to anybody that is intrigued about going or should they go or on the fence or whatever, I, I could say that, you know, whether you knew with it or whether you, uh, been out here in this uh and and you know a novice or wherever your level of real estate investing is at it's something for everyone to learn uh and you make it feel where you, you make make you make the audience and anyone there feel as though uh they're a person um whether what no matter what level they're on uh they can grow and you know and, and all of the wealth of information that you have uh, and the groups and everything, I think is just, uh, it's just awesome. I mean, I, I would just, I would, I would tell anybody that, um, uh, it's, it, it's an experience that, uh, that can be everlasting. And, um, I really think that, you know, that it, it, it would be something that they could really benefit from. Awesome. I, I totally agree. I think there's something for new people. I think there's something for the experienced investor that's doing hundreds of deals a year. And if you're starting to flip houses, maybe you got your first one going on right now, like project those profits and, and think about like where you could be in October and use that as like a little carrot to dangle in front of you to keep going. And uh, I think Daryl and I, obviously military background guys that are just like hard chargers type A, we're just going to get it done regardless of what anybody else tells us. But some of us need that little bit of push. We need that, um, that uh, like reward at the end, right? So I think it's a great mm -hmm. time to do something like that to, to put it out there. Um, I still like, the problem that I have a lot of times is I don't reward myself for these jobs. Like I'll, I'll get a $15,000 wholesale fee, a $25,000 wholesale fee, uh, even a $50,000 wholesale fee. And it's like, well, it's just another Tuesday. So like right. reward yourself, think about that. Uh, we have a couple members in the runway who have rewarded themselves for they hit their goals in the accountability group or they did their first big deal. Um, we have one member who bought himself some like fancy shoes that I've never heard of. Um, we've got another member who like goes out to a nice meal. Um, really cool stuff that people are doing. And I think it's a big um, rewarding yourself gives you that, um, that win that you need to keep going and that like taste of enthusiasm to do the next one and the next one and the next one. So um, if this works, I think it's a, a great reward. October, uh, something to look forward to. I know I'm looking forward to it. We're going to put in a lot of time and hopefully Daryl, you bring your son. I would love to meet your son Ace at the, he's, he's been watching some <laughs> of the videos I saw and getting involved. And so um, I don't know if that's on the table, but um, it sounds, I'd love to see him there. I think it'd be really cool to have him. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can pull him by the ear and, and, and drag him out the house to go 
but no, I'm, I'm just kidding. He, yeah, he's very excited about it. I'm just saying that as a joke, but uh, he really excited about going and see, and checking it out. So yeah, that's Good. definitely something that we can do. So Daryl, Daryl's son is 18 years old. He's watching the videos. He's getting involved. He's getting ready to start college and stuff like that. And um, it was pretty cool talking pre-show about what he's doing and um, how interested and intrigued he's starting to get. And I think, you know, the interesting side for me is the mentorship. Like we all have these mentors and um, like you talked about some of the early mentors and some mentors from the military. And what I feel like is we constantly kind of like we keep growing and growing until we hit that level. And then we kind of look for that new mentor, that new person or that new thing that's going to get us to that next level. And that's what I've seen when I look back at my life, my growth has happened at stages, right? And each stage, there's somebody that's integral in that. And what's cool, I think, is that you're taking your son under, under your wing right now and showing him some of your experiences and guiding him and leading him down the right path. Um, and obviously, I'm, I'm blessed to be a small part of that. And I saw a picture of him watching one of my videos, which was cool. So it's, it's fun to watch. And, you know, he's going he's gonna to come back. And when he becomes successful, whether it's in the real estate world or not, he's going to be talking about how his dad shaped him when, uh, just like you talked about your dad shaping you in the beginning. I know I talked about my dad shaping me. He was the, the guiding light for me my whole life so far. So really amazing, isn't it? That is. That really is. Yeah, I think so. And um, that's kind of what we need to, to do. Like, you know, uh, this one guy said, you always want to, uh, and he's a mentor of mine too, but he always said that uh, we want to always pass the torch better than it was always handed to us too. I like that when he say that. And, you know, some of the things that I capitalized on my dad was, you know, he was, he, he, he had the drive and everything, but at the same time, he just, uh, you know, he just didn't have enough of the knowledge uh, that he needed to actually, and, and he was a good hearted person. So it still was a blessing that he was able to help so many people along the way too, and his family. So that's where he found his joy at too. So I will say that part, but yeah, that's that's what I, I I've learned from it too. Is like I want to hand the torch off to my son better than it was received, and we got to continue to just keep moving forward like that. That's awesome. You know, I, I love the way that you're doing it too. A lot of times people talk about like I just want my kids to be taken care of, so let me make a bunch of money and give it to them. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is you're giving them the skills. Like you're teaching them how to fish. You're not handing them a fish, right? So I think it's really That's cool it. to see that. And you're talking about getting, you know, hey, what about getting a duplex? And you're not like forcing them into it. You're kind of like implanting these ideas in his head right. and letting them stew so they become his ideas, right? It's like the best sales technique ever. So I'm sure he's going to listen to this. So hopefully I didn't give away the secret. But, um, I, you know, good. I think, it's, I think it's, really, it's really cool to see that because um, – what I found is over my time and being in all these groups and these masterminds and things like that is it's, it's the information and the knowledge that, that nobody can take away from me. They can take away the money. They can take away my, my people, the business, all that stuff, but they can't take away. Like I have the ability now, nobody can ever take that stuff away from me. So I can just go make more. I can go make decisions. I could start over. I can do anything now because I have the knowledge. I have the information. I have the experience that can't be taken away from me. And that's what we lose a lot of time. I think with people who don't come to these events or they say, um, next time, or, you know, Hey, I'm just going to wait like three or four months. Or, um, when I'm talking to people on the phone about the mastermind group, they're just like, I don't really think this is for me. Like it's, uh, it's a scam that, uh, you, you don't have all the things you don't do all these things. You, you know, what, I, why, why can't I just stay at my local meetings? All these different things. It's, I say, you know what? Like we really want to expand our knowledge, expand our information, expand our experience. And 
It's the people that just say, take the action to get the knowledge and the information. Like I can read the book is one thing. Like reading the book is step one, but actually doing it, like that experience that you're talking about, um, taking responsibility for everything, going through the process. Even when I've lost money on deals, I've gained so much from that. Mm -hmm. Like I've lost, mm -hmm. I, I had a question that somebody asked me the other day. They said, um, looking back, what would you have changed if you like knowing now what you know? And I said, I, I don't really think that I would change anything. I mean, I'd love to say that I, I would not have bought that deal that I lost $70,000 on or the other one that I lost mm -hmm. 50,000 or that time that I, I screwed up and I did a hard money loan that I shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And I had to foreclose and take it back and I lost 12 grand. And all of these different experiences to me, it's like, these things are pretty much priceless. Like, yeah, I lost money, but I gained so much more than what, what we lost. And I think that our path and our experience and our journey, it's like that for a reason. Like you went through what you went through for a reason. You're stronger because of it. And I mean, when I look back, we talked pre-show, we both have some, some kids that have been through some surgeries and some, some hard times and all these things that we had to go through and they had to go through and we're stronger because of it. Like we come out better than we went in and our torch is better that, you know, that we got and we're going to pass it stronger and better to, to the next person. So I think for all of us out there, it's like, don't, I don't know, look at all this time that you spent, look at this journey, look at all these different opportunities as an investment in yourself and your future and don't look at it as, as, an, as an expense and something that's going to cost you money. Like what are you going to gain from it? And so now that the, my mindset has shift on that stuff, shifted, everything I look at is, okay, when I, what is the investment that I'm making right here and what's the return that I'm going to see on that investment? Whether it's time, it's money, it's anything, resources, my people, my staff, whatever, whatever it is. And so I think it's really important to look at everything like that. Yeah, I totally agree. That's awesome. Uh, couldn't have said it better. Uh, that it's, it's always, to me, experience is always going to be the best teacher when you're getting out there and actually doing it and executing and, you know, hitting those stumbling blocks. But, you know, still knowing that, you know, like you said, you, you can read all day and look at the books all day and everything, but it's actually the action that the action that is, is, is going to be uh, pivotal, uh, how everything falls in place from there, you know? So that's, that's, that's key. That's it. All right. Let's uh, leave him with that. And you guys go to fliphackinglive.com and get your tickets to the event. It's October 15th, 16th, and 17th in Orlando, Florida. Um, I'm excited. I hope to see Ace there. I can shake his hand. We can share call signs. Uh, maybe he, he can get a, uh, uh, a military, uh, seven-figure flipping uh, coin from me and stuff like that. So um, we're sending him a shirt for sure. So uh, all right, cool. All right, well, uh, go to fliphackinglive.com, grab your tickets. You can see uh, Daryl and myself there. I hope, and uh, I look forward to seeing you guys on the next podcast. Daryl, thank you so much for sharing all of your information, knowledge, your background, um, some of the deals that you've done. I should have, I didn't, I wish I, and next time I will. So you guys write that down. Right. That's the way that you've got to talk. Your words matter. That is leadership and true leadership right there for you guys. And um, I'll see you on the next podcast. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Was Daryl awesome or what? Like listening to that again, it just, man, I love, I love getting to know our members, our people that we have in our community, him and his son. Uh, that's going to be incredible. I can't wait to see what Ace uh, does. And obviously he's not flying down to Orlando and hanging out with us, but he is going to be enjoying the virtual experience along with Daryl. They can go through their journey together right there in the house on different computers, different devices, and kind of get together and talk about that stuff. It's going to be amazing. So do not wait to get your tickets. Go to fliphackinglive.com. 
Don't wait to get your tickets. The prices are going to go up in a couple weeks and we're just going to keep adjusting those prices as we get closer. So lock in that discounted rate right now, that early bird rate and uh, grab your ticket. So you can watch it anywhere. You can be in a hotel, Airbnb, at your house, in your office, uh, on your couch, streaming it to the TV. Lots of different ways to enjoy this experience. And it is going to be an, a live virtual experience. We are putting on a live event from stage, just like we normally would, and streaming it to you wherever you are. So you don't have to get a flight. You don't have to get a hotel. You don't have to negotiate time away from your family. You can sleep in your own bed. You can, uh, you can do all the things that you want to do combined with an amazing event. But what I am going to say is shut it down. Like turn the outside world off, focus with us, be there, be present for those three days and enjoy it with us. So we're going to, I'm going to bring an action packed event. I can't wait. Um, you guys can also go check out the flip hacking live podcast where I talk a lot more about it. Um, what we're doing, different things, updates that we have speakers that we're bringing in kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff. So, um, I can't wait to see you guys there online and we'll check out, uh, we'll see you on the next podcast where we're doing more first deal stories. Hey, it's Bill again, and I want to personally invite you to our biggest event of the year, Flip Hacking Live. If you could copy the exact deal sources, marketing strategies, negotiation tactics, and business systems of the most successful house flippers and wholesalers in the nation, how would that change your business? Flip Hacking Live is a three-day event that we do just once per year, and it's happening October 15th through the 17th. We bring in the nation's top wholesalers and house flippers to walk you through everything they're doing how they're marketing directly to sellers, how they're picking up discounted off-market properties, how they're doubling their close ratio with the right negotiation tactics, how they're raising millions of dollars in private money, the things they're doing that other investors aren't doing, all of it. These are the guys and gals who are actively doing deals at a high volume in today's market all across the country. You get their full attention for three days. They have agreed to hold nothing back and you'll be right there with them so you can ask questions and get clarification on anything that you need. This is your chance to hack the nation's top flippers and wholesalers and ethically steal their exact strategies and systems. All you have to do is take notes, ask questions, and apply what you learn. But first, you need to get a ticket. We've sold out every year and ticket prices go up every few months. So go to fliphackinglive.com right now and get your tickets today. Fliphackinglive.com, October 15th through the 17th. This is an event that you cannot afford to miss.